the moderator, sir. I'm going to make a, know, a judgment call here. Gets three and a half million okay, dollars right. from the Let's mayor talk about, of Moscow. Let's talk about not true. true. Gentlemen, that report is totally Why discredited. I, I, Mitt I Romney on that committee said it wasn't worth taxpayers' yep. money. That report it was written for political reasons. You know, I'd like to talk about climate change. So would I. Okay. Hello and welcome to the compost bin of history, where we stick our pitchforks into old ideas and mix them around with the new ones. I'm James. And I am Jared. And we just love torturing ourselves for your amusement, which is why we are now going to dig into the presidential debate breakdown on climate and the environment. Ah, yes. The presidential debate, that thing that happened three weeks ago now, or two, <laughs> or maybe it happened yesterday. Who can really remember? I, think, I thought it was last year. <laughs> uh, something like that. So uh, maybe some of our, our listeners have checked out our previous episode, which was kind of taking a deep dive on a topic that came up during the debate. And... We basically were just looking at forest management and climate change as it, they relate to the forest fires in the west of the United States right now. But I thought it was kind of worth it to dig a little bit into the rest of the climate and environment section from the debate and break down what both candidates had to say um, and whether or not there were some myths, mistruths on perhaps both of their parts. I'm pretty sure both of them are completely telling the truth about everything they said. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's let's just go ahead and instead of playing a clip from the Battle of Midway, um, let's go ahead and actually uh, dig in on the climate and environment debate. I just think everybody should marvel at uh, the flawless performance put forward by our fearless leader even though he knowingly had covid this entire time you know that's that's commitment to the cause i think <laughs> <laughs> so let's kind of give a little bit of broader context this is coming off of the thrilling the most thrilling section of the debate where they argued over whose son was the most corrupt really i think they kind of are a little bit more sedate after that Trump actually kind of gives Biden some time to speak. And uh, I think I can tell like that they're both really kind of like recuperating from having to defend how tarnished their family reputations are. <laughs> I mean, at this point, they've literally just been badgering each other for like over an hour now, haven't they? Yeah, this is an hour in an hour of pure badgering, pure like shit show. And I don't know, I guess this part did kind of jump out to me because... I think it was such an immediate change in pace and tone from the last question on whose family is the most corrupt that it kind of caught them both a little bit off guard. And so I think that there's some interesting back and forth. Well, here. I think it's just they had to actually remember some things here or try to also. You know, they're not just like talking about whose son could kick the other one's ass and like a yeah <laughs> being kind of a shithead off. I, I right, thought it was right. incredible, though. Uh, 
that last segment where Trump was pretty clearly talking about uh, Biden's living son and Biden's just like, oh, you mean the dead one? How dare you talk about him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he was like explicitly talking about Hunter and Biden was just like, hey, did you remember that I had another son who died? (laughs) I mean, I'll give it to him. That was pretty clever. I mean, I, I bet like Trump was thinking in that moment that he like wished one of his sons had died so he could <laughs> flip it around. <laughs> he would totally sacrifice Eric if he thought that he could get like some type of gain out of that. I, I'm pretty oh, confident yeah. about that. Oh yeah, he would have said no, no big loss. You know, <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm the only president that's never had a son to die that I can bring up. <laughs> All right, let's let's play this first clip. As the moderator, sir, I'm going to make a, know, a judgment call here. Gets three and a half million okay, dollars right. from the let's mayor talk about, of Moscow. Let's that talk about not true. Think it's a gentlemen, that report is totally Why discredited. Did he get it? I, I, Mitt I think, Romney on that committee said it wasn't worth taxpayers' <laughs> money. That report it was written for political it, reasons. You know, <laughs> I'd like to talk about climate change. So would I. Okay. The forest fires in the West. That would have been a funny way they have to start the, millions the podcast. Of they have Jared, I'd like to talk about climate of change. So people. When state officials there blame the fires on climate change, Mr. President, you said, I don't think the science knows. Over your four years, you have pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Accord. You have rolled back a number of Obama environmental records. What do you believe about the science of climate change? And what will you do in the next four years to confront it? I want crystal clean water and air. I want beautiful, clean air. We have now the lowest carbon. If you look at our numbers right now, (laughs) we are doing phenomenally. But I haven't destroyed our businesses. Our businesses aren't put out of commission. If you look at the Paris Accord, it was a disaster from our standpoint. And people are actually very happy about what's going on. All right. So we're kind of getting um, a brief overview of uh, what Trump kind of feels his record is on the environment and climate, right? (laughs) He damn sure has not destroyed these businesses. That's very important to remember when you think about the climate. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Well, it seems so funny to me because, you know, it's so disconnected from reality. Like I look outside my window during the day and I can't see, you know, the mountain that's like five miles away because of all the haze in the air. Um, people in Flint don't have clean water to drink still. Uh, Puerto Rico is still suffering from similar problems. And uh, on top of that, he's saying, like, we we haven't hurt our businesses. And meanwhile, you know, like small businesses, restaurants across America have like been shuttered because of his atrocious handling of the pandemic. Well, to be, f- so, to, to be fair, there are very few businesses <laughs> on that mountain or in Flint, Michigan. Or probably in Puerto Rico right now. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is like complete. What's the term? Um, Gaslighting, right? (laughs) I I guess I I there's got to be even a more precise word for this. What's going on here? (laughs) It's extreme gaslighting for sure. But um, so yeah, as far as Trump's record on the climate goes, he's definitely correct in that he has not been willing to do anything that might have endangered any business interest, especially not fossil fuels. Uh, and to some extent, he has kind of loosened some regulations, like uh, what we're going to see later with relaxing fuel economy standards. 
he did in fact um, relax a uh, methane emissions limit for like fracking operations, natural gas extraction. And um, the other big thing that stands out to me is that he has essentially taken an axe to the Clean Water Act and kind of gutted a lot of its um, what regulatory, what little regulatory strength it did have. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even. Yeah, he's just <laughs> he demonstrably has done everything possible to not give us clean, beautiful air and great water. And it's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a thing of beauty to, to witness. Absolutely. And, you know, although we did, like, start out our show by beating up on Joe Biden, I, I feel like we need to make it clear that um, Trump is absolutely off the fucking wall right <laughs> yeah i mean if for any second anyone out there thinks that we support trump over biden i mean hell no <laughs> no absolutely not <laughs> we believe that we need to hold our politicians to high standards which is why we you know make these criticisms but when trump is saying that we have phenomenally clean air and it's totally disconnected from the live situation for millions of americans right now yeah i i would much rather listen to trump talk but that has nothing to do with support or uh, <laughs> or my thoughts on the environment or politics in general i guess right and i do think that you know some of the things we talked about as far as like fuel economy standards the clean water act would be great single episode deep dives that I hope we can do in the future. But for now, I think it suffices to say that Trump is no friend of the environmentalist. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, he appointed a fossil fuels lobbyist to the head of the EPA position. And I think that says it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in typical Trump fashion, pretty much every single department head that he's been able to appoint he puts the absolute worst person in charge. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's all part of like a long-term conservative agenda to, you know, discredit and disempower federal authority in the United States. So it's not really like it's, you know, surprising or out of step with the overall Republican ideology. No, I mean, if anything, Trump has got to be one of the most or the most important Republican figure that has just worked to delegitimize every facet of the government possible. Yeah. You know, I've never understood these never Trump Republicans because as when I look at someone like Trump, I just see the distilled essence of the Republican party basically since the 1960s, since Nixon, every, everything, every direction it's gone in, um, every, uh, new idea they have as far as like how to appeal to, you know, racist white people. Um, Trump has just crunched it all into a nice condensed package. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's basically Reagan with the, with a Twitter account for the most part. Right. So in the last episode, we talked about what happens next in the debate where Trump kind of talks about how forest management is related to climate change and the fires in the American West. And you can listen to our previous episode uh, for more information on that. 
but now we're going to jump forward slightly to uh, Trump's next big claim about what he's doing to help the environment. You've got to have forest management. What do you You've believe? Got to have cuts. What do you believe about the science of climate change, sir? Uh, I believe that we have to do everything we can to have immaculate air, immaculate water, and do whatever else we can that's good. You know, we're planting a billion trees, the Billion Tree Project. Okay, so Trump just said that he's planting a billion trees, and he cites the Billion Tree Project. Gee, James, what is this Billion Tree Project? Well, I have to kind of call us out a little bit, because on our first show, we did kind of talk about how planting trees would help to mitigate climate change. And anytime Trump says something that I have also said in the past, it immediately like sends me into a spiral of self doubt (laughs) where I have to like check, check my convictions and why I believe what I believe. (laughs) I mean, he's pretty good at pointing out issues and uh, sort of, I don't even know what, what the term would be, but this, very uh... yeah trump's like his very thin surface level understanding of i would say most issues lets him like have these little points of attack right yeah maybe that's maybe that's the thing trump is like he his entire being is basically just a bully so he knows he knows where these weak spots are and that he can pick at. but that's all he can do is pick at him He can't formulate kind of a bigger logical synthesis, but he's really good at finding those weaknesses in his opponents and taking those shots. And so when he's talking about planting a trillion trees or he said a billion trees, he's basically kind of exploiting uh, that old, you know, idea of the tree hugging environmentalist. Right. And he's kind of adopting that, co-opting that for his own purpose. But well, like, what we need to do then is ask, is Trump actually planting a billion trees? Well, definitely not. I don't even have to look it up. But also, <laughs> yeah, it's 100% like you say. If I hear someone talking about planting a bunch of trees, automatically, like a knee-jerk reaction, I'm just like, yeah, let's go plant a bunch of trees. I'll go right now. Yeah, it sounds cool. I love trees. Like like I said in the last episode, forest management was part of my, my uh, research and there are like thousands of photos of me hugging just random trees that I've found and come across. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a thing, though, where Trump's like an evil genie and he's just going to go plant like a billion Russian olives or something in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, most invasive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Russian olive. Folks, they grow incredibly. <laughs> <laughs> the Forest Service was trying to cut him down until I stopped him. <laughs> So, um, yeah, obviously, I think anytime Trump says he's doing something, we should like assume the opposite of it. But there is some basis for this billion tree claim. Basically, Trump is uh, using this idea that was kind of started by a um, business led organization. And I found this great article from The Hill, September 30th, 2020, by Alexandra Kelly kind of breaking down this claim. And first of all, this is part of a trillion tree initiative, not billion, which was based on a reforestation program started over a decade ago, actually by the United Nations, which is kind of funny when we think about how, you know, anti-foreign policy Trump is in this this bit of the debate. (laughs) But yeah, there has been basically no action on this front. This was kind of first proposed in an academic paper a while ago, and since then it has been kind of criticized, but 
of course, trees actually do remove carbon dioxide from the air. That's part of the process of photosynthesis. And if you were to plant a trillion trees, according to this article, uh, scientists estimate that that type of tree planting initiative would reduce approximately 5 to 10% of net emissions. So although it's not necessarily a huge amount, it's not insignificant either. This is over a time frame, though, too. I mean, it's not like you plant trees and two weeks two exactly. weeks later you've reduced emissions. It takes a while for these trees to grow and actually sequester this carbon in their tissues. Right. It takes, a you know, one tree might live for uh, upwards of 500 years for some species. And, you know, that's an, a slow rate of growth over a long period of time. Yeah, but if you plant a huge stand of trees and say like a drought leads to a huge forest fire in this area where you planted all these trees uh you're kind of back at square one right yeah yeah it's flattening a lot of like um you know land use issues uh property rights issues uh and you know just general like regional variabilities and forecasted projections right you know when we actually look at where this particular trillion tree initiative comes from I think it really underlines where and why uh, this is absolute bullshit. So quoting from this article from The Hill, the Trillion Tree Initiative continued to take off in the U.S. Mark Benioff, the chief executive officer of Salesforce, picked up on the idea and created his own tree planting initiative, later communicating it to Jared Kushner, who then brought the idea to President Trump. Oh my God, it's our old buddy. We've got our first. We've got yeah. our first friend of the pod, friend of the pod, and uh, advocate of stakeholder capitalism from the episode on Big Meat. Mark Benioff. <laughs> this guy's was actually one of the. <laughs> this guy's plans always work out so well. Yeah, um, of course we'll recall that you know after celebrating you know his humanitarian capitalist victory, he laid off a thousand of his employees <laughs> in July. <laughs> Which means I think that if this actually, you know, if they actually planted a trillion trees, they would then go and cut down a billion of them, like, the next day. Or he just, for every million trees planted, he'll lay off another thousand employees. (laughs) (laughs) Then everybody's happy. So, obviously, then people, like, Republican congressmen and senators and President Trump kind of jumped onto this because it's another, like, straw man type uh, diversion where you can say, you don't even have to say anything about climate change. You don't even have to say anything about fossil fuels or fossil fuel extraction. These people can just basically disregard what are the fundamental causes at root here and say, well, we're planting a trillion trees. And that sounds good, right? Yeah, it's like uh, something you might know a little bit about mitigation credits. Exactly. Basically, all of this kind of stuff does is creates or it really creates a market around environmental destruction and simply creating a market around a bad thing doesn't actually stop the bad thing from happening. Right. It pretty much just means that whoever's got the most money can do the most devastation in this field. Right. Just to kind of sum up this idea from this article from The Hill This is from a researcher at the University of California, Los Angeles School of Law, Jesse Reynolds, looking at climate change and the environment, quoting, 
What we're starting to see is traditional opponents of climate action embracing forestry and other potential carbon dioxide removal methods as a distraction from the urgent need to cut greenhouse gas emissions, he said. In any case, the planting of a significant amount of trees hasn't been realized. As far as I know, to my knowledge, the Trillion Trees Initiative hasn't taken much action, Reynolds stated. I haven't seen anything besides rhetoric. And of course, we remember that with the stakeholder capitalism initiative from our two episodes ago, likewise, that was basically just revealed as a marketing initiative. Same as with this, right? Yeah, you can continue doing all of the bad practices that has gotten us into this mess, uh, create a little PR campaign that makes people feel good, and uh, while everyone's feeling good, 10 years go by, and then nothing actually happened, and our emissions right. have increased by 30%. Yeah, there's there's no way of like tracking <laughs> where these trees are or their like growth <laughs> or anything like that. It, and again, the main thing is is fossil fuels emissions, right? The main thing is fossil fuels. And just trying to say it's about trees, it's about forest management is purely a diversion from what we should be talking about and what actually throughout this whole debate uh between both Biden and Trump is not mentioned, which is actually shutting down fossil fuel extraction which is the one thing that absolutely needs to happen to curb climate change all right man i'm starting to rethink this podcast thing i got a new i got a new thing for us we're gonna Uh we're gonna fuse shows like finding bigfoot and like travel channel shows and we're gonna travel the country looking for these trillion trees Just like counting trees as we yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, come on. Nobody watches cable TV anymore. We got to be able to pitch a show like this, right? Yeah, well, obviously, we would just sell it with our zany personalities and hygiene. Yeah, hell, know, we could even... We, because they never actually find Bigfoot on the Bigfoot we could show. We could even get that sales force asshole to fund half of it, probably. Oh, he totally would. <laughs> we'll just write him a letter and start using a bunch of buzzwords and talking about, like, stakeholder capitalism and all that. <laughs> Dude, we'll have ourselves a show in six months. <laughs> I know, yeah. They just we need to make sure he never hears about this podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, uh, maybe we'll just, you know, we'll show him our episodes and be like, we'll torch the whole thing if you fund this show. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Twenty billion dollars, or else we're gonna burn up this rainforest. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, take it easy, Macron. <laughs> All right, so let's let's continue with this next part of Trump's speech where he's going to talk kind of briefly about how fuel economy standards have been lowered in his administration and what that maybe and he kind of tries to like build some logical progression as to how that means cars are cheaper. Well, but let's let's listen. <laughs> Building a logical procession is always a dicey. <laughs> that's a dicey proposition. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, let's listen. You can't every year have hundreds of thousands of acres of land just burned to the ground. But sir, That's but, burning down because of a lack of but management. But, sir, if you believe in the science of climate change, why have you rolled back the Obama clean power plan, which limited carbon emissions in power plants? Why have you relaxed... Because it was driving fuel, energy prices through the sky. Why have you relaxed fuel economy standards 
that are going to create more pollution from cars well, than not trucks. really, because what's happening is the car is much less expensive, and it's a much safer car, and you're talking about a tiny difference, and then what would happen, because of the cost of the car, you would have at least double and triple the number of cars purchased. We have the old slugs out there that are 10, 12 years old. If you did that, the car would be safer. It would be much cheaper by three thousand five hundred dollars. But in the, in the case of California, they've simply no. But you would take your, a lot of cars now. off the market because people would be able to afford a car. Now, so and by the way, we're going to see how that turns out. But a lot of people agree with me. Many people. The car has gotten so expensive because they have computers all over the place for the an car. extra little <laughs> the generic bit car. of gasoline. And, by the, and, and, and I'm okay with electric cars, too. I think I'm all for electric cars. I've given big I'm incentives right with electric for electric cars. cars. But what they've done in California is just all crazy. Right. So what he's referencing there with what they've done in California is just crazy. Is this um, recent, I, I think, bill passed by the California legislature saying, that um, all cars sold in California by 2030, 10 years from now, need to be electric cars. And of course, those are just new cars. That's not, um, you know, saying necessarily that uh, old cars will be taken off the roads. I want to, but I do. In- I want to know what Elon Musk has on Gavin Newsom or what like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, all of this, I, th- I think a lot of this electric car stuff is just built around Elon Musk's personality, right? Like electric cars sound cool. Ele- Elon Musk is like this hip techie, you know, billionaire or whatever. And so if you just say electric cars enough, people will think that it's progressive. Well, it's kind of like the trillion trees thing. It almost shuts yeah. down any talk of anything else it's just like well we're just going to do electric cars we don't even have to talk about emissions really because obviously electric cars there's no emissions involved there exactly and again you need to extract all of those rare earth metals you need to ship them across the planet you need to go through industrial processes to manufacture these maybe organize a coup or two to destabilize the governments in the places where these are found yeah, and my understanding is that, you know, simply driving your old car for another 10 years, even if it doesn't get the greatest mileage, is actually, in, in essence, increasing the efficiency of that vehicle because you're delaying the impetus to buy all of these new raw materials that have been produced. You're extending the life, the life of your current vehicle and basically maximizing that uh, energy expenditure, right? That initial energy expenditure. Well, and honestly, I mean, if you're, if you have an electric car where I live, there's one game in town and it's mid-American energy and they have a giant coal power plant, like 20 miles from me, not even. Exactly. So where the energy comes from that you're using in your electric car could still be from fossil fuels. And if it's coal, you might as well just be burning using gasoline then at that point. In fact, you might yeah, actually be uh, less damaging to the environment than just burning coal. coal. I've never heard of anybody getting black lung from going to like the Senex <laughs> once a week to fill their car up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but this is also kind of like that standard like old man rant. Like there are computers and cars nowadays. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> I subscribe to that. I hate computers and cars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think we both drive what Trump just called old slugs. Yes. Upcoming <laughs> episode for sure. Yeah, 
and this is one we've been talking about since before we started the podcast, but we'll we'll save that. We'll save it. Hint, it's definitely not what most environmentalists would probably be caught dead driving. Right. Um, but if you equate environmentalism with owning a Tesla, you're not an environmentalist as far as I'm concerned. I mean, if you, env- <laughs> if you equate environmentalism with any type of commodity purchases, you probably need to rethink your priorities. Exactly. But uh, to try and like get at what Trump is saying here, my basic understanding of trying to figure out what he just said was that having computers in these cars, which are meant to govern fuel usage and like set the mileage so that, you know, the, the car runs more efficiently, that increases the cost of these cars, which makes a disincentive for buying new cars meaning that there are more older cars on their on the road for a longer amount of time, which, as we just explained, is actually a good thing. Not buy, Buying new cars is actually worse for the environment. But to follow with what Trump is saying, um, by relaxing these fuel economy standards, he's made the price of cars lower. And in that regard, he is getting the old fleet out of uh, the uh, highways, and making sure that new cars are sold and helping the economy and whatever. Was that your read on it? I think that's what he's trying to say. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I don't right. I don't know if any of these... So, even if he rolls back these regulations and it makes it less expensive to produce these cars, that in no way means it's going to be cheaper to buy the cars. It's not like the car you bought yeah. is priced based on what it costs to make it. I mean, exactly. It's priced based on what the car company thinks you're going to pay. And again, this is all just for new automobiles. For me, I I would never buy a new car for to just to begin with. No, me neither. <laughs> I mean, even if I was in the financial position to, you know, why would yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, in a, in essence, you're taking a huge gamble, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. One that you're probably going to lose. I mean, these a lot of new cars. Yeah just aren't that good they right. break down pretty yeah. frequently so if you are already maybe cash strapped enough to think twice about buying a new vehicle and then it breaks down after the warranty's up i mean that's gonna this isn't really an environmentalist point necessarily but most people don't have the amount of money to go buy a new car and then deal with major repairs outside of the warranty window right and so the point being that even just arguing about Obama's fuel economy standards is a red herring because the fuel economy standards by themselves did nothing to impact emissions or climate change. Yeah. And I mean, we'll have to do an episode on the cafe regulations on cars and what that meant to the car industry, because it didn't necessarily mean less emissions. Right. And um, California, individual states like California could maintain their own standards. So still, um, auto suppliers, particularly those that aren't based in America, which, you know, most cars sold in America aren't um, from, you know, American owned companies anymore. Right. Like, isn't Toyota and Honda like the best selling cars in America? Well, I mean, even the quote unquote American cars aren't built in America anymore for the most part. Right. You know? Right. They're, they might be assembled at the final point of uh, manufacturing, but most of the actual raw materials that go into it are... I don't elsewhere. know if this is true anymore, but at one time, 
in the not so distant past, the vehicle in the U.S. that was built with the most American materials was the Toyota Camry. So, <laughs> I don't know. And and Toyota is going to you know maintain the the fuel standards for its large markets like California. Definitely. Right? Well, that's the thing about that's why like Trump and conservative people get so pissed off at California because they're what the sixth biggest economy in the entire world. So yeah. they, they're a pretty big player. They just, they just hate the pull that they have basically. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're jealous that California does not subscribe to their ideology because if it did, they'd love California. You know, if right. every, and that's if why everyone, so many conservatives want to split California into different states. Yeah. A hundred percent. If, if California was like staunchly, anti-abortion and loved polluting they would be the biggest fans of california yeah so let's let's move on and um kind of get into this i think this is kind of like phase two of the debate where they start talking about the green new deal and jobs and you know the overall cost to the economy of being environmentally um conscious right oh this part's gonna <laughs> it's going to be pretty confusing. <laughs> Vice President Biden, I'd like you to, to respond to the president's climate change record, but I also want to ask you about a concern. You proposed $2 trillion in green jobs. You talk about new limits, not abolishing, but new limits on fracking, ending the use of fossil fuels to generate electricity by 2035, and zero net emission of greenhouse gases by 2050. The president says a lot of these things would tank the economy and cost millions of jobs. He's absolutely wrong, number one. Well, let's let's pause it right there <laughs> and say that in one regard, in a very narrow sense, he's absolutely right in the sense that what we need to do to address climate change is to essentially take a sledgehammer to huge sections of the economy and provide people with the entitlements to the extent that they could actually leave uh, jobs in the energy sector. You could nationalize, you know, uh, gas companies and oil companies and shut them down, which would mean spending money on basically just letting people stay home and not work, which, you know, as we kind of discussed in our first episode, productivity is the problem here. And so more green jobs, um, economic growth is actually kind of antithetical to the goals of reducing carbon emissions. Yeah, and hammer blow number one just needs to be on fracking. It's can we just get over that shit by now? Really? I know. More, and Biden is just more regulations on fracking. We're not gonna we're not gonna end it. Yeah, Biden is again because he's beholden to heavily moneyed interests in states like Pennsylvania and to an extent even like Colorado. How long ago was it when we were we were crashing at your mom's house and there was a goddamn earthquake in Nebraska? In Lincoln, Nebraska, there was <laughs> <Right>. an earthquake. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> fracking is obviously tied to, yeah, increased seismic activity, as you point out, as well as uh, I remember I was arguing once with one of my students who worked in a frack field. And he was like, well, it's totally safe because we drill this pipe into the earth and then we surround it with cement. And so nothing can get in or out. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's a good thing that the earth never moves. <laughs> Man, they should have thought about putting cement in the, in the World Trade Center. 
So, so yeah. Um, well, let's let's hear more of what B- Biden has to say about his his plan, which is kind of rehashing some stuff that we looked at in our in our zeroth episode um, on Biden's speech. Well, he's learned the talking points. I'm proud of him. Yeah. Number two, if in fact, when when I, during our administration, the Recovery Act, I was able to, I was in charge, able to bring down the cost of renewable energy to cheaper than or as cheap as coal and gas and oil. Nobody's going to build another uh, uh, coal-fired plant in America. No one's going to build another oil-fired plant in America. They're going to move to renewable energy, number one. Number two, we're going to make sure that we are able to take the federal fleet and turn it into a fleet that's run on their electric vehicles, making sure that we can do that. We're going to put 500,000 charging stations and all of the highways that we're going to be building in the future. We're going to build an economy that, in fact, is going to provide for the ability of us to take 4 million buildings and make sure that they, in fact, are weatherized in a way that, in fact, will, they'll, they'll emit significantly less gas and oil because the heat will not be going out. There's so many things that we can do now to create thousands and thousands of jobs. We can get to net zero in terms of energy production by 2035, not only not costing people jobs, creating jobs, creating millions of good paying jobs, not 15 bucks an hour, but prevailing wage by having a new infrastructure that in fact is green. Okay, so a lot to unpack there, but again, we're kind of rehashing some stuff, right? Ah, that whole thing is just, uh, I don't know. It has like the cadence of something that has substance to it, but so much of it kind of just doesn't. Or if you dig into the substance, it's almost, yeah, it's, it's not, not good folks. Let, like, let's just pick one thing to pick on there. Building new highways, right? And coupled with switching to elect, basically a federal fleet of electric vehicles. Well, the thing here is like, obviously what would be better for the environment in terms of emissions reduction would be to move away from highways and cars altogether and towards public transportation systems. Yeah, not once. I I don't know if There's not I've, one mention of public transit in this I'm not even debate. talking about just this whole debate. When is the last time that you have watched any American political pundit or candidate or anyone talk about mass transit besides somebody in like a local activist group like anybody that gets any type of national tv exposure yeah when have they ever talked in the past 10 years about mass transportation yeah and you know when was the last time that an actual mass transit project was put into place like i think there are some local ones like minneapolis st paul i think did in the last 10 15 years i think um so i'm sure there are some out there i think there. kansas city made their public transit free for everyone so uh obviously those are good things but those are pretty much isolated around already largely metropolitan areas and the distinction here is that to have a real reduction in transport related carbon emissions, you have to bring those into new areas and have broader networks of connection. And, you know, in in essence, a national transportation plan beyond that, which occurs just in these metropolitan cities. Yeah. I mean, what are we going back to the Eisenhower administration? We're just going to build a bunch more highways and proliferate 
single car transport. Yeah, you know, everything that Biden says here, when I when he says it, it just to me sounds like more carbon emissions. And um, he doesn't, you know, he says there's going to be no more coal power plants. There's going to be no more oil power plants or probably is meaning like natural. I guess oil power plants are a thing. Natural gas is powering many plants now. But it, why are you still allowing for fracking to continue and for all of this natural gas extraction to continue? if it's not going to be used in power plants. Well, I, yeah, it's <laughs> also, I mean, the concept of paving roads is incredibly damaging to the environment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let alone just, if you're building a new road, you're automatically bisecting some type of habitat for something. But then what are these materials you're using? And, uh, you know, I just even just down to the the salt or the gravel or whatever you're going to put on these roadways in the wintertime. (laughs) You know, I mean, in a a lot of all of of that has cascaded in a lot of ways. Gravel roads, environmentally speaking, are by far the best option. Again, even gravel roads, you have major problems with dust coming off of them that can impair lots of different species' abilities to reproduce and function in their nearby areas. So, I actually there's been like research on like uh, heavy use haul roads and how the dust from them like kills insects and basically like shortens like birds' lives and stuff that live nearby. All right. Well, apparently but, there is no good road, folks. I mean. Yeah, the the best road is, you know, the the bike path, I guess. But yeah, what what else to to pick on there? What do you think, Jared? Oh my god. Um whenever these two talk, it just destroys my ability to to form <laughs> thoughts kind of. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's just massive spend. I sound like a conservative, but again, that's also massive spending. It's not 100 trillion dollars worth of spending. But where's the like redistributive, you know, um, policy here that is going to well, ensure that? that <laughs> let's press on. I think we're going to get a pretty good idea of yeah. where the re- where Joe falls on the whole redistributive part of that. Yeah, that's 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 right. And the first thing I will do, I will rejoin the Paris Accord. I will join the Paris Accord because with us out of it, look what's happening. It's all falling apart. And talk about someone who has no no relationship to, with foreign policy. Brazil, the rainforests of Brazil are being torn down, are being ripped down. More, more carbon is absorbed in that rainforest than every bit of carbon that's emitted in the United States. Instead of doing something about that, I would be gathering up and making sure we had the, com- the countries of the world coming up with $20 billion. And say, I think he tells on himself there a stop, little bit. Stop yeah. t- tearing down the forest. And if you don't, then you're going to have significant economic consequences. What, about, uh, what do you mean how he tells on himself? He said instead of doing anything about it, I would start an initiative for a $20 billion <laughs> slush fund. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just inadvertently told the truth right there. <laughs> Well, uh, let's start with the Paris Accord thing, though. Trump and Biden agree that the Paris Accord is failing. Trump says it's failing because it I mean, was hell, weak to begin I with. I agree with that. Yeah. 
Trump say, say it's, says it's failing because it was weak to begin with and was too, or maybe he would say it was too uh, drastic in terms of its effect on businesses. Whereas Biden is saying it's failing because America isn't there to, you know, be included and lead it. Well, I got news for Joe. Uh, things weren't exactly going great when we were there. <laughs> yeah, the Paris Ag- Accord uh, is a half measure at best. I'm, we're just broken records at this point. It's the same thing as the Trillion Tree Initiative. It's the same thing yes. as stakeholder capitalism. It's, yeah, it's PR. It's uh, these politicians get to get in a room and uh, take a lot of nice pictures, shake some hands, you know, drink some very expensive alcohol. And uh, basically, I mean, the way I read it anymore is they're... They're literally just rubbing our faces in what we could do if anybody was serious about this. But also, these are all the things that we're not actually going to do. Yeah, it's it's another straw man that is just deferring the need to actually look at fossil fuel companies. Oh, God, we're piling, up, again, we're piling up so many straw mans. I mean, this is a fire hazard in itself. <laughs> i know this we could start a a million acre forest fire from all these straw man arguments that are laying around here (laughs) all right so um yeah and then the other thing there was that biden wants to create like a 20 billion dollar slush fund to presumably with some kind of international community to offset the economic need to destroy the amazon rainforest which again, I think, well, and so first of all, he's kind of stealing this idea from um, Emmanuel Macron, who is like this notorious neoliberal president of Honestly, France, who is known for like attacking la- labor unions and stuff like if that. If Macron was running for president in the United States, he would crush. Oh, he totally would, because he basically has Biden's ideology, but he's in like the Pete Buttigieg Yeah, he's, package, he's... Right? So much better than Buttigieg. Uh, he's young. He's so much yeah. smarter than Trump. And uh, he's just, he's like the perfect, the perfect Democrat, basically. Like, he right. is that guy that, uh, you know, if we ever get that first round draft picked, we, we're not going to even draft anybody. We're just going to trade it for Emmanuel Macron. <laughs> <laughs> we'll even package a third. Now, and and just to be clear, we are not fans of Emmanuel no, Macron. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, obviously he's the one who's kind of setting the international climate dialogue right now, though. Yeah. Because he's the only one making, who's actually has ideas, I guess. I just, I recognize game. He is not particularly loved in the country he's in. Exactly. But he is so loved amongst the class of people that he's rubbing elbows Emmanuel macron he has he has mad game that joe biden just does not no he wishes he (laughs) yeah but that's why it makes sense that biden is kind of trying to like you know steal his idea a little bit here oh i mean you know if macro if macron is as diabolical as i think he is i mean he he would give joe biden these talking points he would be yeah. you know what do you think they meet at the g7 every year to talk about it's <laughs> emmanuel macron talking right. about this 20 million dollar fund or 20 billion dollar fund for the rainforest but 
I'm sticking my flag down. I swear to God, Joe Biden just told on himself because he I swear I heard he literally said, instead of doing anything about this, we're going to create this fund. All right, let's jump back and re-listen. Brazil, the rainforest of Brazil are being torn down, are being ripped down. More, more carbon is absorbed in that rainforest than every bit of carbon that's emitted in the United States. Instead of doing something about that, <laughs> he totally did. Making sure we had the, com- the countries of the world. He just laid it out right for us. <laughs> instead of doing something about that. Instead of doing something about that. Instead of doing anything about carbon emissions, I'm going to create a $20 billion <laughs> slush fund to give to uh, to give to Brazil, which, again, is totally flattening, like, all of the, like, subtler issues in there about, like, how that money would be allocated and distributed. Is it small farmers who are burning down the rainforest? Is it large farmers? Is it palm oil plantations? I have no idea who's actually burning down the rainforest. I mean, it might just be... Like, maybe Timothy McVeigh's down there burning down the rainforest. I really don't know. I think we should probably look into that a little bit at some point. But regardless, it is happening because of this type of, like, slash and burn agriculture, which is basically a necessity if you're going to do agriculture in these areas. But we also, therefore, need to ask, why are people doing agriculture in the Amazon rainforest? Why are people growing palm oil? Or even why are people starting small family farms to sustain themselves? It has something to do with HelloFresh. I know it. (laughs) This whole thing, though, I mean, it's literally just like uh, Uncle Biden is like bribing his nephew Brazil to stop cutting down the rainforest, at least until he graduates high school. And then, (laughs) then, you know, you can do whatever you want after that. But... (laughs) And as you said, he's saying he won't do anything about emissions. <laughs> There's no way he meant he to li- say that, but that is the most true thing Joe Biden said this whole night. We watched this four times and we didn't catch that <laughs> until you just did, Jared. But that is a good catch. <laughs> well, apparently I just need enough hams to be able to actually decipher what's being said here. Okay, I think we were talking about how Joe Biden is going to try Rex Tillerson for crimes against humanity, right? (laughs) Um, Yep, that's where we left off. And I think that's going to lead right into our next topic pretty well. So let's let's continue listening. What about the argument that President Trump basically says that you have to balance environmental interests and economic interests and he's drawn his line. Well, he hadn't drawn a line. He still, for example, makes sure that we, he wants to make sure that methane's not a problem. We can, you, you can now emit more methane without it being a problem. So can we pause methane. it for a second? Yeah. Um, Joe, Joe's talking about how we're going to put pressure on Brazil to stop cutting down the rainforest or else they're going to suffer severe economic consequences, right? And right. in my mind, that means sanctions. Now, yeah. <laughs> I'm not exactly a geopolitical genius here, but I'm pretty sure when the U.S. puts sanctions on a country, that typically is really bad news for, well, basically everyone in that country, but definitely the poorest individuals in that country. That's a really good <laughs> so, point. At that point, if we want people to change their behavior, and then we're going to volley sanctions against them and that intensifies the reasons for them to do this 
what are you left with besides just full-on military action, I guess? Right. Yeah, um, without without addressing the, the root causes of this, none of this actually, you know, is going to work. And, we're, and that's why nothing has worked so far, is because it's all been within the political system that is supported by you know fossil yeah i guess all of what i just said assumes that joe actually wants to do any of the things he says he wants to do yeah so i mean and i i honestly don't think that he does like i don't think well even if even if he does right the prescriptions that he is making are completely incoherent if this is his end goal yeah uh, and so I wanted to talk actually about that question where Chris Wallace says, you know, do you have to balance the environment with the economy? Because this is something I talk about in like my environmental science class. And I often would like draw a pyramid like on the board and I would write like environment at the bottom and then economy like on top of it. It's the next layer up. Which is to say that you don't have an economy without an environment, right? Where do people think all these raw materials are coming from? Exactly. Exactly. In terms of like what actually is driving economic productivity and saying, you know, how do we shape material goods into usable commodities? Uh, that's pure environment. You don't have agriculture without the environment. Yeah, right? you can base, you can mine you can extract heavy metals and you can extract energy sources. You can do those. And I mean, a destroyed environment is not going to suffer, is not going to affect your bottom line at all. But if you're in like the pharmaceutical right. industry, what are you going to do when all of the animal uh, Amazon's burned down? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a false dichotomy that is being presented here. There is not a choice between the environment and the economy. And to the extent that we have had economic growth, even in light of things like climate change, a collapse in biodiversity, you know, sickening oceans, drought and forest fire and hurricanes and all these things, that economic growth is pure overshoot. You know, this is all just like running off the built up vapors of the last 150 years, but it can't continue. I mean, because it's dependent upon the environment at some point. Uh, as what happened with the Great Depression, an environmental collapse will lead to an economic collapse. And you saw that to an extent with the pandemic. You see it, as I said, with various other global events like, you know, wildfires, hurricanes, um, drought, because these have real effects on people. It displaces populations and leads to, you know, huge problems, right? Yeah, I mean, well, if we want to live up to our name of being the compost bin of history look what was going on environmentally at the same time as the 1929 stock market crash exactly overproduction from an overtaxed land the degradation of you know centuries of topsoil and a coming drought that would basically be the confluence of factors that made everything Go yeah, bad. but when you learn about that, at least in the American high school system, and I, I think even in college history courses, I mean, they talk about speculation and run on the runs on the bank and the global economy, but they in no way do they tie that to the wider ecological impacts right. of 
the practices that led to all of that. To tie it into a broader scientific principle, which is the second law of thermodynamics, uh, entropy is increasing. Chaos will always build and increase in any system, and economies are included in that. That line of economic growth cannot continue to go up forever. Uh, it just is against the laws of nature, in essence. There's like some, a little bit of uh, poetry in the way that like economics is pitched as natural law versus how it <laughs> <Right>. actually <laughs> is subject to natural law. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what we're kind of talking around here is this idea of degrowth, which, you know, is not a popular idea for obvious reasons. But if we are seriously talking about mitigating climate change and building a sustainable future, you have to talk about degrowth. You have to talk about how you shrink the U.S. economy into a livable standard that is within its environmental limits. And you don't do that by creating millions of jobs and building, you know, hundreds of new highways and um, electric cars. And of course, America, you know, lives way beyond its resource capacity, right? If everyone in the world lived like the quote unquote average American, um, you would have like this ridiculous overshoot of resources. Well, I mean, you just wouldn't be able to. That's... (laughs) we're the we're the center right. of the empire we are the ones we take a bunch of resources from everyone around the world and funnel them back to ourselves it literally would not be possible what biden is saying is only continuing that trend you know of continuing resource extraction abroad for development in yeah America. i mean he wants to talk about the- electric cars and all this shit I mean, where's that lithium? Yeah, exactly. From? Is it coming from mines? I'm no geologist, and... but I don't know about any lithium deposits in the United States. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, my understanding is most of it comes from South America and Asia, some from Africa. I as believe well. Bolivia might have quite a lot, actually. Oh, where uh, the socialist uh, president was conveniently ousted from power by a right wing <laughs> well, coup. I don't know how convenient. Uh, the president thought it was but uh yeah yeah Yeah, and well and critically not just a socialist president but an indigenous president who was building a broad-based like popular platform that appealed to yeah honestly uh like when people in this area you know i'd i'd spout off with my socialist bullshit in fucking iowa people be like well where would you rather live then i used to say bolivia it sounds like it used to be pretty awesome before we got involved there very heavily. Well, um, let's go ahead and, and hear the rest of Biden's plan uh, for some some hard, hard, good jobs. <laughs> Boy, I want a hard job. This is a guy who says that you don't have to have mileage standards for automobiles that exist now. This is the guy who says that. Well, the fact that it, it, it's all true. And here's He's the talking deal about the Green hey, New Deal. And it's not two billion I'm, or 20 billion, as you said. I'm t- it's one hundred trillion dollars. I'm talking about where they the want to Biden rip down plan. buildings. This is Trump's like crowning achievement in this whole debate, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're right that he, he was able to get that figure out there. One hundred trillion dollars, like three different. Yeah, times. I mean, and. There's no there's no grounding in reality for that number. 
but it's just him trying to pin it to the green new deal and biden yeah there's like three things from this that i remember and two of them aren't true one of them is trump says he did more in 47 months than joe did in 47 years in government uh the Mm -hmm. other one is what trump just said there the hundred trillion dollars for the green new deal and the third thing is coming up pretty soon which which i think (laughs) is true Uh, and rebuild the building it's the dumbest most ridiculous where airplanes are out of business where two-car systems are out where they want to take out the cows too you know that's not true either right (laughs) but and and again here i'm actually with in a sense i want what trump is saying i like i do want airlines to go out of business because they're horrible for the environment and basically unnecessary if you look at how many times they've been bailed out over the last, you know, 30 years, it really makes you question, you know, why they're even uh, a thing. <laughs> just just the phrase, they want to take out the cows. <laughs> right. And of course, yeah, beef is basically like, you know, yeah, but it's also you're eating higher up the food chain than you have to. Um, a lot of that beef is fed by corn, which is fed by fertilizer that's, you know, has its own industrial uh, output and carbon emissions. Oh, yeah. The problem, the problem is not beef. The problem is the way that beef is produced. Exactly. Yes. What he's saying here that, you know, taking airline travel should be like the kind of thing that, you know, you only get to do every once in a while or that, you know, meat should be kind of a rare luxury all of those things, like I would say, are good ideas. Yeah. But Trump is kind of is presenting them as an indictment on Joe, even though Joe doesn't want to hurt the beef industry. Well, yeah, exactly. He, he is to, saying these things, you know. and like he said, we agree with doing these things. But the problem is that Joe's got to fight against him saying this. He's like, oh God, no! I right. I wouldn't want to upset any of these industries. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, keep listening. Not this, is a, this is Not a this is a one hundred trillion. That's more money than our is, country could make in a hundred years. If okay, right there though. <laughs> Joe wants to like be this combative person that's going to put Trump in his place a little bit. If he is, uh-huh. I mean, come on, Joe. That's that's more money than America could make in a hundred years. What's the matter, Trump? You don't believe in the American people? It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah i mean there was i just feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities for joe i mean yeah because i actually wait a minute sir i actually have studied your plan and it includes upgrading four million buildings weatherizing two million homes over four years building one and a half million energy efficient homes so the question becomes some the president is saying i think some people who support the president would say that sounds like it's going to cost a lot of money and hurt the economy. What it's going to do is going to create thousands and millions of jobs, good paying jobs. But let him finish, sir. Well, you made a point earlier that I think is worth repeating. I don't know if I did when we were Jared. recording. Oh, really? I, I don't know at this point. But so Chris Wallace says it sounds like this is going to cost a lot of money and hurt the economy. Those two things are the exact opposite. Yeah, it's going to cost a yeah. lot of money. But if we're for God's sakes, does no one have any idea how an economy works? You strengthen an economy yeah. by producing things. Now, I'm not coming out yeah. in favor of producing a bunch of shit, 
But if you want to stimulate an economy, that's how you do it. You produce things. We just... It's really amusing to just, like, think about, like, how how you could fit, like, an actual discussion of Keynesian economic theory into this shit fest of a debate. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God, it makes your head spin. I understand that, like, we don't understand that anymore because of NAFTA and all of that shit. So we, yeah. you know... Republicans are kind of right when they say we don't produce anything in this country anymore. But if you want to strengthen an economy, you do it by production. Yeah, it's going to cost money. That's fine. (laughs) Right. And again, though, that's going to be totally disconnected from the goals of reducing carbon. Of course, of course. But but you would strength. I think he's right. I think it would strengthen the economy if he did these things. Yeah. I don't think he'll do those things. In, but it, okay, it in would. the short term, before this leads to yeah. like even more, and <laughs> you know, even more red skies in Oregon and forest yeah. fires in California and extreme right. droughts in like Arizona and Colorado, right. probably. Yeah, it's going to yeah. stimulate the economy for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, all right. Let, yeah, let's keep listening. He doesn't know how to do that. They, the fact is, it's going to create millions of good-paying jobs and these tax incentives to people for people to weatherize, which he wants to get get rid of. It's going to make the economy much safer. Look how much we're paying now to deal with the hurricanes. With the deal with, by the way, he has an answer for hurricanes. He said maybe we should drop a nuclear weapon. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite uh, things he's ever just, said. Here's the deal. You make up a we, petty cat We are fight. going to be in a position where we can create hard hard good job making sure the environment is clean and we all are in better shape we spend billions of dollars now billions of dollars on floods hurricanes rising seas we're in real trouble look what's happened just in the midwest with these storms that come through and wipe out entire sections and counties in iowa they didn't happen before they're because of global warming we make up 15 percent of the world's problem we in fact but the, the rest of the world we got to get them to come along that's why we have to get back into back into the paris accord all right gentlemen well, wait we, a minute, Chris. so why didn't he do it for 47 years you were vice president why didn't you get the world? he's right china sends up real <laughs> yep. dirt in india russia does india does they all do <laughs> we're supposed to be good and by the way he made a couple of statements the Green New Deal is a hundred trillion dollars. That is not, not my billion. plan. This right here, this is the masterstroke. Yeah, when he gets Biden to run away from this, is, this incredibly this is popular all, legislation. This is all Trump is good at. I mean, Trump. Yeah. He this whole time, he uh, he's like incoherent when he has to try to make a point on his own. But man, mm-hmm. when he is gonna like back somebody into a corner and just completely nail them with something. I mean, that's how he won the Republican primary in 2016. You know, mm-hmm. just to let these people talk and then <laughs> completely... Right. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, all these people are completely hollow. They're not going to... They're not going to change anything. And Trump knows that. Yeah. He's not going to change anything either. But <laughs> he can at least completely call them out on their bullshit. <laughs> But it sounds like, though, at least Joe Biden has a stimulus plan for, like, OnlyFans.com, <laughs> which are going to produce hard, hard, good jobs. <laughs> oh, man. We're in for a real sexy time coming up here. <laughs> I feel, yeah, 
we could beat a dead horse. We don't need to. We've already talked about why producing more and more jobs is not. Yeah, we've we've already talked about all of this forward. so much more than I thought we were gonna. Yeah. But I, I do love that. You know, why didn't he do it for forty seven years? Yeah, it's years? it's brilliant. I mean, you know. Yeah, it ties it with the, in with everything we've been talking about in terms of how long we've known about climate change, how long we've actually known how to fix climate change, like what we need to do. Yeah, well, I mean, um, literally this right here, this is the reason that anyone knows Donald Trump's name. This is yeah. why he was successful on TV and and why he was successful on TV. It's the only thing he's ever been successful at. Everything else has been a fucking disaster. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he is so yeah. good at this one thing right here. And Joe yeah, just completely, really completely steps right into the trap. He d- he totally did. Absolutely. Let's let's finish up this this trash fire. Let's rebuild well, every building. Not my plan. Rebuild right. every building. Gentlemen, he made a statement about, about the military. He said I said something about the military. He and his friends made it up, and then they went with it. I never said it. Okay. That is what not he true. did. Sir, he, said, <laughs> he called the military stupid bastards. I did said it on tape. He said stupid bastards. I would never say that. Well, and I I mean. The the, the U.S. military is the largest (laughs) single emitter of carbon emissions in the world. Ecologically speaking, they are stupid (laughs) bastards. Way to go, Joe. (laughs) You know what? They're they're just um, they're basically hurting their mission readiness for long term, the long term uh, bottom line. So (laughs) it's kind of a stupid bastard move. That part is just amazing. (laughs) Yeah. We need to act as we've discussed. We need to do an episode on the Green New Deal. Hell, um, we've got to do an episode to of say, the U.S. military now and talk about Elizabeth Warren. I right. feel like, yeah, like <laughs> so. Just from this this alone, we have you know probably enough episode ideas to give us another full year of content. <laughs> oh, geez, what have we done? I know we've accidentally created a <laughs> uh, a timely podcast. <laughs> Just to be absolutely clear, the Green New Deal is definitely not Biden's plan. And <laughs> well, you, you hear him running away from it. Let's let the man himself tell us. Yeah. Play Stop. it. Sir. Play it. Go ahead. You're Mr. Vice tape. President, uh, answer his, his final question. The final question is, I can't remember which of all his rantings. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a little trouble <laughs> myself. And by the way. Trump said there, you can't remember much, which again is like another good. Yeah, take. totally. I mean, uh, he just gets these little zingers in all over the maybe place. Maybe it's uh, maybe this is just me, but when Donald Trump is like in the room and somebody's talking about the final question, it I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but uh, and, and about the economy and about this question of what it's going to cost the, the economy. I mean, the Green New Deal and the idea of what what your environmental change will do. The Green New Deal will pay for itself as we move forward. You're not going to build. Well, he just said the Green New Deal will pay for itself as we move forward. Do you support the Green New Deal? See, this is the thing. He just told on himself again. Pardon me? Yeah. You support? No, I don't support the Green oh, New Deal. Oh, you don't? Oh, well, that's a big that, statement. I support that means you the, just lost the radical left. I support. Trump says you just lost the radical left. I mean, he's right. And, and I mean, oh my God. to be fair, Biden lost the radical left a long time well, ago. 
Except for Bernie. Bernie's like the only person out there. Oh, Bernie. He, yeah, Bernie's not right. Uh, he's the only person that's campaigning for Biden, actually. It's it's craziness. But yeah, there we go. Once yeah. again, Joe Biden, probably against his best efforts, just literally gave the game away where he's like, yeah, the Green New Deal will pay for itself. That's not my plan. We're not going to be doing that. Are you insane? <laughs> Yeah, this this oh good plan God. that strikes all these boxes environmentally and also is good for the economy. Well, I'm not doing that. Are you crazy? <laughs> I got the Biden plan. I support oh, the don't. Biden plan that I put forward. Okay. The Biden plan, which is different than what he calls the radical Green New Deal. All right, gentlemen, final segment. Election integrity as we meet okay. tonight. That's it. That's the <laughs> end of the are receiving the climate change. And that's all. That's all we care about. <laughs> uh, obviously, they talked about other important stuff during the debate. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on, Jared? Oh man, I don't know. I I think we mentioned it up top, but Trump had COVID this whole time during this debate. <laughs> knew it. Uh, he totally pull the thing where he showed up late so he didn't have to get tested and uh just the part where he was like making fun of joe for wearing a mask talking about how he had this guy he's got a mask every time i see him the mask is huge i don't know where he's getting these things and then literally like all of the white house now has just contracted covid <laughs> they all got trump's COVID. been in the hospital everybody's like yeah doing crab emojis on the web on the internet and uh you know there's like people celebrating the potential death of trump and then other people joe biden types talking about how that is not that's not what we do here we don't celebrate this person who we've been saying is a complete threat to our democracy and to the climate and nuclearly potentially He's this yeah. giant existential threat for everyone on the planet, but I mean, he, we can't cheer him. We can't hope that he dies. That's that's outrageous. <laughs> wow. What are we going to scoop to his level? And it's just like now, yeah, yeah. Now I see that he's out, and he's like saying, "Yeah, COVID's not that big of a deal. I had it. Anybody can get over it." But I, he was getting like this experimental <laughs> cancer drug. To try to do oh, it yeah. that's like thousands of dollars for the normal person to access. and Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Final thoughts. Uh, never wish death upon the person that is a massive threat to pretty much everything, apparently. I feel like we should play ourselves out with that 50 Cent song, like, many men <laughs> wish death on me. <laughs> Oh, man. You know what? Come on, 50. Throw us a bone. I know you made all that Bitcoin money. I have to... I think that, you know, Trump has some, some like, commonality with 50 Cent, I think. <laughs> you know, in terms of, you know, kind of his repetitive hooks, his ability to, you know, get in good jabs, but totally, like, you know, not able to kind of, like, carry any kind of long-term, um, you know, like... uh well, you know what I'm saying, like yeah, he's catchy. You know, he might uh, yeah. he might not be he yeah. might not he's not he might not be the the rapper with the most content or right. the most uh, deep lyrics, but 
that motherfucker's got some yeah. flow, you know? He does, and, uh, exactly. He's, um, he's got a whole unit full of people that are doing the same thing as he is, and... Uh, mm-hmm. And he talks, and he talks shit. He yeah. just talks good, he talks shit better than And anyone. he fucking got his start doing a bunch of illegal shit, so... <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, shout out to 50 Cent, um, when you are president... <laughs> uh, yeah consider me for uh secretary of the interior there I've... you go yeah i'll take uh secretary of Act. there you go <laughs> we i know at least two of your albums by heart so take it into account <laughs> so i wanted to we i feel like we have good, our intro pretty well down we need to get a little bit more of a solid like outro and conclusion so are we done now well, I mean, we're we're done with the the bit from the yeah. Debate. I feel you um, should just straight up clip that at the beginning, where Chris Wallace says, "I want to talk about the environment," and Joe Biden says, "So do I." That needs to be that needs to be the first <laughs> thing people hear on this one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I meant um, that I wanted to make sure to say we are the Compost Bin of History podcast. You can email us. You can send us <laughs> questions or comments oh, okay. at compostbinofhistory at gmail.com right, one sec There's i gotta no pee so bad duh. i'll be right back okay okay <laughs> did you stop your recording okay. nope i got mine going too still um i think this turned should we try our i think yeah, this go turned ahead. out good um you've been on fire tonight. <laughs> well it's probably the hams a little bit but also uh <laughs> Yeah, I think um, the less I think about what to say and just kind of let myself let myself go a little bit, uh, it turns out good. I think. Um, I I could I couldn't agree more, man. Um, yeah, you know, and it's good because that last one was kind of a little bit more dry, and I was doing a lot of talking. And this one's going to be a little bit more zesty, and it's going to be a more Jared heavy episode. Yeah, uh, I was talking to Mike today, and. Uh, I have this thing in my fucking head where I feel like people are blowing smoke up my ass when they're like giving us compliments. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, Mike sounds like he actually really likes it. And he said that awesome. we're like perfect foils for each other. He's like, oh, if it well, was just James, it would be way too dry. If it was just you, it would be like, <laughs> you know, all over the place and maybe not as informative. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, there you go. No, I, I think it's I think it's working well so far. We might actually have to start doing some more promotion and stuff, though, and like I don't know, doing social media. Oh, things. jeepers! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for now, all right. Let's let's take another run at this outro wrap up, though. Okay? Oh man, I I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> We've been the compost bin of history. I hope that you've enjoyed our. Uh, sticking pitchforks and things today as we have kind of turned over this bit of this debate. Yeah, and if you'd like to and... stick something our way, we can be reached at the compost bin of history at gmail.com. <laughs> no, no, the though, just compost bin of history at gmail.com. Okay, all right, don't stick us with a the right compostbenefhistory at gmail.com please write in with a question or comment i'd like it if we could start doing a little you know reader mail section or something at the end of the show yeah and if you just want to call us dirty hippie communists that's fine too 
we are very welcome to that. It'll it'll <laughs> it'll feel like home, honestly. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, thank you all for listening, and uh, we've been James and Jared. And uh, every single one of you, your homework for next week is to plant one trillion trees yourself. Instead of doing something about that,